It's podcast time. Right. Hey, everybody. Let's just get started. I don't even... I usually do a lot more prep, but today I just decided I'm going to just hit record. Let's just do it. Oh, god damn it. Get ready, because there's uh, all kinds of yard work, mowing, and weed whacking going on. To really, uh, to really hit home how professional a podcast this thing is. Oh, yeah, there's that sound, that goddamn mow. They've been out there all fucking day mowing. You'd think they could move on to another patch of grass. Pieces of shit. Yeah, they do a good job, though. They're good. They're good. They do a nice job. <laughs> Damn it, that's so fucking annoying. Oh, man. But that's uh, that's the sounds of summer. Ah, the lawnmowers and weed whackers. The backyard barbecue. I gotta tell you, man. I I don't know what's I don't know. Maybe I've never liked the backyard barbecue. Oh man, my voice. Hold on, hold on. Take a sip of. Mmm, that's good. Oh yeah. Delicious, delicious water. Uh, this particular podcast brought to you by brought to you by delicious water. Is there anything more wet? No. Uh, what was I saying? Yeah, so it's summer. Summer means a lot of things. It means that I count the days until fall. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean that's about it. That's what summer means. And then after this week, uh, you know, there's. All the really good sports are done until the fall, too. There's no football, obviously. And uh, as of last night, there's no more NBA. And go Raptors. Yeah, this is suddenly this is suddenly a sports podcast. Go Raptors. Go Jurassic Park. That was good. That was good. I, and I realized the irony of being a Patriots fan and wanting to see uh, the dynasty crushed by the, by the young up-and-comers, the young scrappy kids from the north. Uh, anyway, yeah, and of course, yeah, speaking of Boston and the, the NHLs, that's done. The Bruins, um, not so great. Game seven, not so hot. I, that's the thing. I don't know shit about sports, and like, I never. When I was a kid, I didn't. I didn't like to play sports. I didn't like to watch sports. I didn't like anything that had anything to do with sports. I wanted nothing to do with it. And then one day, I, I realized, like, some somewhere in college. Actually, the first football game that wasn't the Super Bowl that I voluntarily watched and I really enjoyed was that uh, the wife and I, the girlfriend at the time, Kimmy, and I were at TGI Fridays in beautiful Clifton Park, New York, and it was during the Tuck Rule game, you know, the the snow, uh, the Patriots and the Raiders, and uh, it was just thrilling, and I didn't know anything that was going on. I didn't give a shit. I didn't even know who Tom Brady was at the time. Uh, but I watched that game and I was like, man, football's fucking awesome to watch. God damn. And then shortly after that, and then of course this, the, that was when the Patriots won their first of 18,000 Super Bowls that would they would win. And uh, 
and then after that, I got into NFL. The, the following season, I was really into the whole season of NFL and college football. And then a year after that, I was really into baseball and watching the you know that great uh, you know 2003 and then 2004. Of course, the Red Sox coming back from getting destroyed by the Yankees and then beating the Yankees and then going on to win the World Series was awesome. And I was always a default Red Sox fan because I just hated the fucking Yankees. And uh, yeah, so. Th- th- was into baseball, basketball, you know, all these sports. And then I realized one day, like, I think I know why I'm into sports now. I think I probably always was, you know, could have gotten myself into sports. But I think when you get to an age where you realize you're old enough that your parents aren't going to make you play the sports if you show, like, the slightest interest in sports, then I I thought, well, it's safe now to like sports because I'm not going to have to actually play any of these sports so I can enjoy the sports. And I do. I enjoy sports. Baseball's fine. I enjoy the Red Sox. So that's the thing. Football, I can watch any game, any any football game for any any team anywhere, whatever. It's just fun to watch. Baseball has to be Red Sox. Uh, basketball, I can watch any. I can watch most teams in basketball. Hornets in particular. Celtics, great. Any of the big superstar teams, I, I just enjoy basketball. But you know, this is that time of the year. Now that NBA is over, NHL is over. There's football in a few months. It's really just, it's golf and baseball. It's, it's you know, how much how much of any of that can you take? Eh, so it's like you know the dog days of summer. Even though it's not even summer yet, I'm already I'm already just dreading them because there's no, you know, you can watch you can watch eighteen thousand baseball games over and over again. That's fine. That's okay. Golf is fine. I do enjoy watching golf, but man, it's just. Between that and the heat, baseball, heat, barbecues, festivals. I was thinking, I was talking to Kim the other day because we drove past, drove past, there was a big barbecue and somebody's birthday too, probably the balloons and people in their flip flops and their little khaki shorts and their little polo shirts and their sundresses. Everybody's smiling and they've got beer koozies and, you know, smoke coming off the grill. And I'm just not, I don't know. I don't know what the hell's wrong with me. I don't, I just don't, I don't like barbecue. I don't like anything. I realize, I realize as I get older, I don't like anything. Unless it's inside on my couch. I like, I like a lot of the things that take place in the living room. TV. And don't get me wrong. I, barbecue, food that comes off a grill. I mean, what's better than that? What's better than a cheeseburger, a hot dog, or steak? You know, all that shit. It's delicious. But it, when I see these barbecues, I get, like, I really do. I get, like, anxiety. Because I think about, I think there's something about the barbecue and the fact that it's in the summertime. And so already you've got nothing but baseball and golf on. And that's fine, but it's, you know, snooze fest after a while. Then you throw a barbecue into the mix. So it's like, well, there's nothing on TV for sports. Now you've got to go to a barbecue. There's too many wild cards at a barbecue. There's just too many X factors. You know, a friend invites you over to barbecue. Okay, cool. The food. And then you and bring your bathing suit if they have a pool or something like that. That's cool. That's fine, I guess. But like Jesus Christ, then you show, you don't you don't know. You don't know who's coming to this barbecue because you're outside. When you go to a party that's in the winter and it's in somebody's house, there's a limit. There's a space limit. There's a capacity. You can only fit 
maybe there's 20 people and that's it. Maybe it's just 10 people. It's a dinner. Come to the dinner party. Oh, how many? Your dinner table has eight seats. So maybe there's eight people at the dinner party and then that's it. You go to a barbecue. That's open. It's, it's, it, uh, you're, you're out in the open air, out in the fucking backyard, somebody's yard. You have 30 people, 40 people, and you got all these ki- all these people you don't know, all these, you know, oh, I invited, this is my neighbor, huh? this is my coworker, this is my, eh. and I'm like, what am, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to, like, t- I, the only person I know here is the friend who invited me to the barbecue, and now I have to stand there and, like, I have to make small talk, because I can't talk, I can't talk to the host of the party all day, they've got, they're playing host, they've got things to do, so what am I supposed to do? I gotta make small talk, It's so it's hot. You know, there's, 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 the sun's beating down, you're sweaty, everybody's in their flip-flops, and you look at their disgusting feet and their legs, where if it's in the winter, we all have, like, big coats on, we don't have to see any, any skin, it's wonderful, it's, it's hot, and sunny, and sticky, it's humid, everybody's sweating, you got, like, just, you know, people all over the place, and, you know, shitty music is blasting, and you've got, like, it's, you know, you get sunburn, You've got these fucking beer koozies everywhere. Everybody's smiling and laughing. And to me, I think they're all full of shit. I think I, th- I think everybody at a, at a barbecue is full of shit. I really I think so. 99% of the people at 99% of the barbecues, because it's the same people. If you All, all year long, they're miserable because it's cold and it's wet and it's snowy and all this shit. And they're inside in the winter. And all they, all they think about all year is getting out, getting outside. And to me, to me, uh, and then these people, like, suddenly suddenly you don't have to wear all these layers, and you can walk outside in your bare feet, and all of a sudden, it's a complete 180, and they, they're, they're, they're quote-unquote happy. I think that's fucking bullshit. I'm sorry. I think you're as miserable now as you were in the winter, and I think you're full of shit. I think you're just as unhappy in July as you were in January. And I think you're just hiding it better because a little bit of, su- little, little uh, vitamin, uh, what, vitamin D? Yeah. A little, a little vitamin D, some fresh fruit, an alcoholic beverage, and uh, you know, I think that's it. I little, little leaves, trees blowing in the wind has got you, got you thinking that you're happy, but you're not. You're just, you're just as miserable. What the fuck is that sound? Fucking man, just trying to, try, I'm trying to get like a flow going on this thing, and I got like fucking lawnmowers out there, and these headphones, supposedly good headphones, and they suck. Anyway, yeah, so barbecues, man. I, I get anxiety. Here's what I was saying. I'm, I'm, here's what I'm saying is like in the winter, you go to somebody's house, you have a good idea, or if it's an indoor or it's a dinner party, you have a good idea of what to expect. A barbecue, you don't know. There's, you know, there's going to be food. There's going to be people outdoors, probably, you know, the shitty music, all the, all the things that I said, all the accoutrement of a barbecue. And, and by the way, I like all of the things at a barbecue. I I just don't like barbecues themselves. They give me anxiety big time. It's like a, it's it's the unexpected. It's social. If you don't, you know, who knows who's going to be there. But I, I love I love burgers. I love hot dog. I can eat that shit all day. And I love to go swimming. But man, you go to a barbecue, a pool, like a public pool. You're at the like the local park, and somebody's having a barbecue in one of the pavilions by the public pool, or even if it's their own pool. But there's like 300 kids in that pool pissing, and there's little like you know, picking their nose, and there's little like fucking dead skin, and little like 
you know, little shit speckles that you you can't even see because they're microscopic and you're just getting all over your skin and up your nose. Oh, that's fucking disgusting. And you've got all these children. You don't even know who they are. You don't know who the parents are. So you sure as shit don't know who the children are. And then they're getting their snotty little faces on your kids. And they've got their little, like, juice juice or popsicle mustache, you know, ring around, you know, the, the red popsicle stained lips. Which is like the fucking thing that, like, there's nothing worse than juice mustache kid, right? Like, who fucking can't take a wet wipe and just wipe the kid's face? Old school, like my my grandmother, lick your finger, wipe the fucking high C off your kid's fucking lips. He looks like a asshole. So you got you got you got juice and popsicle mustache kid running around with their fucking you know shitting and pissing into the pool so you've got like diarrhea speckles floating around microscopic in the pool you got all this gross stuff you've got like you know all the all the, all the music all this shitty music so you're telling me and, and then on top of that you just you don't know there's too much of a wild card like i said you show up at the barbecue what's going to happen am i going to be expected and this is why this is the this is why I have I it goes back to my first thing talking about sports how I enjoy sports now because I do not I do not have to play sports ever as long as I live, unless I want to just like shoot hoops by myself or play play tennis with Kim and you know shit like that that's fine. You show up at a barbecue though, and you don't know you don't know what there's gonna be like if it's you know bocce ball or cornhole or something like that it's you know it's that's no big deal but like. Suddenly, you know, picking teams for like a volleyball game or a softball game or a kickball or dodgeball or one of those things. Like, what am I? What am I doing here? What have I gotten myself into? I'm now I'm involved in like a competitive game with strangers and this guy's neighbor I don't know and all this shit and all these juice mustache kids are running around. Are they par- are they in the game? Are they not? And they're sitting there with their popsicles. It's, it's fucking, it's awful. It gives me, it seriously gives me fucking anxiety because I don't know if that's going to happen or not. If somebody could invite me to a barbecue and lay out the entire guest list and what my relationship is to those people and then tell me exactly what the itinerary is, here's what sports we will and will not be playing, here's what's going on with the pool, or we don't have a pool at all, uh, or people will have like socks on so you don't have to look at their feet, you know, okay, eh, maybe, 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 maybe. But I still too too much unpredictability, too much unpredictability, and you you tell me that in the middle of February you're telling me that in the middle of February when you're sitting on your couch nice and cozy, that somehow is worse than being in a pool filled with people's dead fucking footskins and their their shit speckles and their juice mustache kids. You are a liar, sir and ma'am. You are a liar. Oh, I just, yeah. So I, I, I drive past a barbecue and I see all these s- smiles and all this shit. And I, I just think, no, no, that's a pass. That's a hard pass for me. And it gives, I filled, filled with anxiety. There's just, there's too much unknown, too much unknown. You got it in somebody's backyard and then everybody could just show up. Hey, yeah, come on over. Bring your, fr- everybody come on over and have the barbecue. Oh my God. No, please don't. Please don't do that. It's the same reason why I don't do festivals. Anything that has fest or festival in it, uh, no, that's also a hard pass. With a few exceptions, there's one thing here in, in downtown Nashville that they do every year. It's frankly not all that exciting, uh, you know, because we do it every year. 
but it's it's something to do on Thanksgiving weekend. You go, you, you stroll around, and you look at all the shops and all the lights and Santa and the tree and this and that, and like it's it's the you know a couple days after it's the weekend after of Thanksgiving. Everybody's you know happy, festive, but it's nice and cold, so you bundle up, so you don't have to. It's not like you know it's not polos and you know big sm- you know visors, grown men with visors, you know that kind of thing. So, so if it's in the winter, I don't mind going. I don't mind bundling up and freezing my ass off because I'd rather be doing that than walking around with blazing sun and then you know three times that many people because people you know, they would rather go out in the in the warm weather and have a festival than you know you don't find a lot of festivals outside in the middle of winter, but you find them all over the place in the summer. And I was I was texting with uh, our good friend Rachel the other day, and she had mentioned that the barbecue rib fest is coming up. Uh, soon here this weekend or it's going on now and I said oh oh Rachie you're so sweet and I I love you but uh, you're not uh, you'd have to pay me a certain sum of money to get me to go to a festival because that's like it's it's basically like taking a barbecue and then stripping away the elements that make a barbecue enjoyable where you, you go to somebody's house and like Hey, they've they've bought all this food, so you don't have to like you don't have to pay an admission. So a festival is like going to a barbecue where you have to pay admission. Only everybody's a fucking stranger, and there's a thousand times more of them, and it's out in the blazing sun, and and there's even more weirdos than you would expect at the barbecue because at least you like you're they're your friends, so you think ah oh, you're probably gonna invite neighbors and friends who are kind of like who kind of like my friends. And at a festival, it's just every fucking Yahoo on the planet. With nothing to do, and then you pay admission, and then you, and then the admission doesn't even get you anything. It gets you in, and then you have to pay to like eat the barbecue and eat the ribs and all this other shit. Like, no, no festivals for me, no nothing. Sitting at home on the couch, baby. That's where it's at. Uh, so yeah, so uh, Rachie, our good friend, sent me the link to this rib fest. And I said, oh, cool. I said, full disclosure, you couldn't pay me to go to this or anything with fest in the title. And she said, ha ha, oh, I have no idea you're so anti-festival. And I said, yeah, it's more that I'm anti-heat, anti-people, anti-crowds, but those are usually some of the top ingredients of a festival. Uh, and then I said, I would pay double admission to have someone bring me a plate of food instead of, have, instead of having to go to myself, instead of having to go myself. And then to find out that you pay admission and then you you don't get jack shit with that admission. You just go and then you have to pay to eat all the food. Like, no. So it's hot. There's music. There's a shit ton of people. There's lines. There's crowds. I'm paying to do this. And then I'm paying extra. I'm, I'm paying just to do that. And then I'm paying extra to go and eat the food. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, yeah, festivals, man. You know who else shows up at festivals? Grown man in sports jersey guy which as sad as i am to see the end of you know a bruins season come to an end in such a shitty fashion and all that stuff i will say that as i sat home and i watched all the uh, all the local uh, sports guys you know felger and maz and all those guys broadcasting live from canal street and all you can see behind you is just a sea of grown ass adults wearing sports jerseys and it's just like anytime I have to go to you know come home from work and 
I leave from North Station. That's where the train is, and that's also where TD Garden is, which means that's where the Celtics and that's where the Bruins are. And so on any given Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday night, and I'm trying to come home, and I'm just wading through a sea of grown-ass fucking adults <laughs> wearing jerseys. And for dudes, it just it looks so fucking stupid. And I'm just, like, you walk in there and you see these guys, you know, these, like, they on it, they look like big, fat, silver-haired babies like no grown man unless unless you're playing on the goddamn team there's no reason for you to wear a jersey it looks so fucking ridiculous and this is me talking i wear you know like baggy shorts i dress like an asshole so you know i get it i know pot kettle all that stuff but jesus christ you you're not gonna catch me wearing a jersey i mean over the age of like what 13 14 15 like when does it end obviously never in uh, in these little sports cities of ours because that's all you see is these assholes wearing jerseys i mean wear a t-shirt like can't you just wear a t-shirt with the sports logo on it like a t-shirt like a human like t-shirts like you're not playing you don't you don't play for the team don't wear the jersey it looks idiotic I'm sorry. It, so those are the guys who show up at festivals. Those are the guys who I have to, you know, sit with on the train coming home if I work late or if I or if I'm just trying to get to the train. I have to push my way through all of these fucking grown ass people who are like my dad's age and my grandparents' age. I'm pushing through them, maybe not my grandparents' age, but my dad's age, and you know, pushing people my age just wearing jer- you know, jorts and jerseys. Jeez, I can't. Can I just say I'm. Maybe somebody's listening. They're offended by that. Sorry, I, I, whatever. As far as I know, because I've I've never seen a friend of mine. I I don't know of a single family member or friend or anyone that I can think of in my close proximity, my circle of like friends and family that I've ever seen wearing a jersey. And I just want to say, I applaud you. I'm so proud of my family and friends for not ever wearing a jersey or even owning a jersey, as far as I know. Let alone what you know, owning or wearing one. I mean, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm glad I don't have to go to family functions and see any adults who I'm to whom I'm related by blood or by marriage or by friendship uh, wearing a jersey. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, but you know, again, another reason I'm not going to a festival because I don't want to see that asshole wearing his sports jersey. Whether even if I like the team. I don't care. I like the Bruins, and I like. I don't want to see. I don't want to see any of these assholes wearing jerseys. I mean, fuck, fuck, man. Do you see yourself? Look, and and at the same time, I'm always a subscriber to the idea of like, do do what makes you happy. So if you're if you're happy, being <laughs> sixty five years old, wearing a jersey, looking like a little kid with your jorts on, and your little baseball cap. You know, go crazy, man. Who am I? But, man, it looks so... It just looks idiotic. Grown-ass adults wearing jerseys. It's just not cool. I don't like it. And I don't want it. I don't want it in in the society in which I exist. And, again, that's why why it's not so great leaving the house. Because inside the house, I'm not going to see anybody wearing a sports jersey unless it's on TV. Uh... Yeah, so summer, summer's here. All the sports are gone. Barbecues and festivals have arrived. 
and it's just nothing but baseball. And you know, one thing I feel fucking I feel terrible because we haven't taken the kids to there's like a there's a bunch of amusement parks in the in New Hampshire in the greater area. And we every summer we I mean we take them lots of different places. We go all over the place, but we haven't been to any of the local parks. And uh, I don't know. We might go. To, you know, who knows where we're going? But uh, <laughs> I did mention. Uh, this reminded me. I did mention at the end of last week's podcast. Perhaps I would talk about Foghorn Leghorn. So I think I will talk about it because I'm reminded of back in the day we would take uh, uh, annual, I guess, trips, day trip out to Six Flags, New England. Kimmy and I, uh, I think Jess, my sister, went, and uh, my in-laws, Dane and Karen, uh, the whole group, we'd go out and just get up early and, you know, rendezvous at somebody's house and then get in our cars and carpool on out to Six Flags, New England and have a great day riding Superman ride and all that shit. And, uh, so there was one particular moment. Um, and I, I do love a good Looney Tune cartoon. I love Merry Melodies. And, uh, I did, you know, Six Flags, New England. Six Flags has the Looney Tunes characters walking around, you know, the whole gang. You've got Bugs and you've got Jaffe. You've got the whole gang, you know, the whole, all the characters. And so <laughs> so we were sitting there. This isn't much of a story, but it's just some more insights onto uh, onto what I, what I think is fun. Uh, we're sitting there having lunch on a long, hot day. And frankly, I've gotten to the point where I don't even like going to theme parks anymore because it's just everything's so fucking expensive. I'm glad we moved out of Florida because I couldn't I couldn't afford it. To, the kids we we would be taking them to Disney all the time. They would love it, but it would it just cost a fortune just to go for the weekend. It's just everything's so expensive now. Uh, yeah, so uh, and it's more more of the same kind of shit. The, the, all the elements of a festival: you, hot heat. You know, f- people everywhere, humanity is it's just sweating everywhere, it's just gross and smells. Blech. So uh, that that's probably why we've avoided going to the theme parks. But back in the day, it didn't bother me as much. So we're at the Six Flags having a nice lunch. We've spent the day going on the rides. We're having a nice little time. The whole family's together. And there's Foghorn Leghorn off in the distance greeting fans, you know, hugging kids dancing around, being silly, just being being Foghorn Leghorn, I'll say, I'll say. And uh, so uh, so I thought, you know, it would probably be really appropriate of me at the time I was maybe 21 or 22, and I thought Foghorn Leghorns, you know, bringing joy to these children and families, and uh, I believe it was on a dare. I don't even remember. I think Dane dared me to do it. My father-in-law, of course, um, as as father-in-laws do to their future son-in-laws as they dare them to. Uh, he dared me to get up and go to Foghorn Leghorn and give Foghorn Leghorn a big hug. And then, um, how should I say, lay into Foghorn Leghorn. I'm, I'm the kind of guy who if somebody dares me to do something, I don't mind doing it you know, within reason and uh, dry humping a beloved Looney Tunes character falls within that threshold of what I will and will not do. Uh, it falls into the column of will do. And so without 
too much hesitation. I got up before Foghorn Leghorn, uh, you know, moved on to another section of the park. And, and I went over and I yelled, Foghorn Leghorn, Foghorn Leghorn. And, uh, you know, I shook Foghorn Leghorn's hand and then I gave him a big hug. And then with my arms wrapped around Foghorn Leghorn, um, you know, maybe once or one or two or maybe a dozen or so times, just, you know, just thrust my pelvis into uh, into old Foghorn. And I fucking, I guess saying it out loud really makes me feel like an even bigger piece of shit, uh, you know, than the, in years as I've matured and think about it. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I went over and I gave Foghorn like a big hug and then I just humped the shit out of him for, you know, a good, uh, a good 10 seconds or so, just, just laid into him. And then the, the worst part, you know, of, of course I did, I, humanize these people now when i think about it like there's a person under this costume who fucking hates life and hate you know hates summer more than i do because there's it's 100 degrees outside and it's 500 degrees in that costume and then you got a piece of shit 20 something year old scumbag like me coming up you think okay here comes another okay i'll shake his hand okay he can hug me fine and then you know and then 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 the guy in this case me just starts fucking the shit out of out of foghorn leghorn as i did and so uh, feeling bad about that now, I feel even worse when I think about as I walked back to my family and everybody's cackling and cracking up and I f- I'm feeling pretty good about myself because I just, I was, somebody dared me to go dry hump, flag, foghorn, leghorn, and I did. And then I'm walking back, <laughs> walking back to the picnic table where we we're sitting and I just kept turning around uh, and poor foghorn leghorn is just standing there frozen, literally frozen. Like I had just, I I shook his hand, humped him, shook hand with my right hand, hugged with my left hand. And in this position, just, you know, laid into him and humped the shit out of poor Foghorn Leghorn. And as I'm walking back to the table and back to my family, I look back and there's Foghorn Leghorn just standing there with his, (laughs) with his arm and his hand still outstretched from where, you know, a few minutes, a few moments ago, I was shaking his hand and just staring at me. In complete, you know, shock, horror, disbelief, disgust, and then of course, you know, it was later that I was thinking about it, like, like, oh yeah, there's a person under there. It's not a Looney Tunes character. It's a costume with a human being, and I just walked up and, yeah, completely just violated the shit out of them. Uh, that's a story that I'm, as I'm telling it, I'm wishing that I hadn't told it, but I'm, I'm adhering to. Uh, this policy I have for this podcast, which is that I'm going to talk about things, instantly regret talking about that thing because most of my stories make me look like a big piece of shit. Uh, but without those stories, there's not much of a podcast. But but the, the, uh, the whatever, the mission statement, whatever you want to call it, is I'm going to tell a story, feel disgusted about it, think for a few seconds that I may go back and erase the story that I just told because it's, you know, it's not a terribly robust story. I was eating lunch. I was dared to hump the shit out of Foghorn Leghorn. I walked over and I humped Foghorn Leghorn and then and then walked back to my table and then went on with my day. Uh, that's the story. Uh, the really, you know, the, the only thing the story does is just show you what a lousy scumbag uh, I was and, you know, to some degree still am. Uh, but... Yeah, yeah, the mission statement, I think, as I'm telling the story, I'm thinking I should go back and just erase this whole story because it's not really that good. And it's just, you know, silly, but I'm not. I told the story. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's to- it's been told, and now we move on forever, and we never speak we never speak of foghorn leghorn again. I say never ever speak of foghorn leghorn again. Oh my god! Uh, having said that, I'm going to tell some stories. I'm going to talk about my buddies because that's that was my plan. Um, by the way, we went uh, okay. Here's first. I'm going to talk about a couple. Uh, we went to friendlies last week. Uh, just the whole family. Yeah, they're closing them left and right. They're not that good anymore. They used to be so good. I love getting a friendly Frank or a grilled cheese. Just you know, just garbage food. Just but it was still so delicious. And then you wash it down with some ice cream. So we went there last week, and uh, you know, what's it's interesting that a banana split even exists. I've never understood that. Back in the days, working for good old Leo at Stewart's, and I'd have to make people would come in and they'd ask for a hot fudge sundae or they ask for a cone or all this stuff. Great, great, great. And then some fucker would come in and he would ask for a fucking banana split, and I'd have to cut the banana split down the that very particular way that you had to make the banana split in a special bowl and a special cut it slice it down the middle so it's you know, and then you know three scoops of ice cream and 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 whatever. And I just thought, who the fuck? You can come in and you can get any kind of ice cream you want, any kind of way that you want. And you decide, you know what? The ice cream's good. I think what I would like to have in ice cream is a nice big piece of fruit. I'll tell you what's been missing from this ice cream is a fucking banana. Because ice cream's pretty good on its own, but it's really much better with fruit. I mean, maybe, why don't we just put fucking vegetables in it too? Banana split. I just I saw that on the menu and the fact that it still exists and the fact that anybody would still order. You know what? I hate anyone who orders has ever ordered or will ever order a banana split. I hate you. I hate you for ordering not just because I hated making them for people, but because I hate the fact that they exist that you take this beautiful delicious dessert that somebody created, this beautiful ice cream. Any kind of flavor whether it's a flavor you like or not. The fact that we live in a world where ice cream exists is so goddamn great. We live in one of, you know, if there's infinite universes out there, there could actually be, you know, in the multiverse, there could be a, a, a plane of existence where ice cream doesn't even, it's not even a thing. It's not been created. It's not, nothing. You take a beautiful thing like ice cream and all the sugary toppings and things you can put on it, and you fucking tarnish that goddamn ice cream with a piece of fucking fruit, you scumbag, go to hell. Enough about that. Enough with those bananas. Banana splits. I, okay. That's just something. That's just something I was thinking about. Driving me nuts. Another. It's another thing about summer. I love, you know, ice cream is nice. It's great to have summer. You can go, yeah, ice cream. And then some fucker comes in. Oh, I'll, I'll have a banana split, please. That's how you, if you want to know which one of your neighbors is a giant fucking turd, ask them if they like a nice banana split. That's how you know. Stay away from that guy. Really, it's enough. All right, I've got a I've got a limited amount of time here, and I want to tell this story. If I tell no other story today, I want to tell this one story because I'd like to. T- I would like to talk about my friends because I realize I've been doing this podcast for a few weeks now. This is now episode four. Oh man, unbelievable! And I've I've not really told about some of my uh, some of my very dear good close friends and uh so i'd I'd like to gosh i've got i've got things written down here so there's an infamous story 
And I, I, I hope, Nate, you're listening. I'm about to tell the Road Rash book story. I'm sorry to spring it on you. But I think, I think, Nate, you'll like the way that it's told because it needs to be told, A, because it is a classic. And B, it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's really another tale that, uh, you know, of what a, what a, of, of just scumbaggery on my part. And, and not just me. I'm not alone. This is one where I'm not alone. I, I get to share the, uh, I get to share the title of shitty friend or shitty person. So, some of my my oldest and bestest friends uh i mean my my first friend like my first best friend and by the way people you can only have one best friend that's what makes it your best friend go fuck yourself i can have as many goddamn best friends as i want i've got a whole bunch and they're great they i've got like you've got like the best friends from like later in your life like post college like retail job friends i got like a, you know all these all these best friends from like barnes and noble i've got all the jobs, everywhere that I've worked, all different banks and things. I have all these great, great friends that I still talk to regularly, and we text and we get together if, if we're in town and that kind of thing. But then you go back, you go back to the beginning, and those are those are like on a special mantle of friendship, which I've got, like Jonathan Double J, who is his mother and my mother were roommates in college at Syracuse, and they're still great friends. And he was born like five weeks after me, and that's that five weeks is the only period of time of my life that I've known existence without Double J. He's a best friend. Then later on, you get into kindergarten, you get into school, and you start making some friends. Some of them come and they go. And I had some friends in uh, in kindergarten and first grade and that kind of thing. And they didn't, uh, you know, they're still around. They're still like acquaintances. They're still friends, but they're not, you know. It was really, it was really third grade when I finally added to you know it was it was double J and then everybody else as far as friendship and then once I got into into school I added a couple more uh, who are still you know on that mantle of like best friends. Oh yeah, water, man, that water sure is wet. Mm, good going down. Uh, so. So Double J is my best friend for, you know, he's he's like, it's beyond like friendship. It's like beyond brothers. It's just like a special thing. And then you, and then what's really special is when you add people who could be in that classification. And that's Joe Shimo, Nate Duell, Sean Doyle. There's a, you know, the together that's the four horsemen. Me, the kid, uh, Nate, Joe, Sean, the horsemen. And Sean, Sean came later on. He was a he was a late addition to the group, in uh, I guess really middle school, middle school, high school. I don't know. I, I remember Sean in middle school, but I don't think I don't think we even really became like you know best of friends until high school. But Joe, Joe was the Joe was the next great friend that I made, and <laughs> I knew Joe I think before he knew me. Because I would go, my grandmother would take me to the library in Burn Hills, and we'd have story hour down in the kids section down in the basement, and uh, and this old this old broad would read some stories. <laughs> she wasn't a fucking old broad; she was a sweet old lady, I think. I don't know, some old broad. She'd read stories, and all the kids would sit there and they'd listen to the story. And I that was the first time that I 
that I met that I met Shimo. Um, and he was sitting there, and you know, I'll be honest, he stood out in the crowd uh, because it was like, hey, wow, look at this, we've got a, a like a real live uh, brown kid in Burn Hills, and so. I knew him just based on that alone. And I would, we, I think we would kind of hang out a little bit in the story hour thing. And then when I got to kindergarten and I made some friends in kindergarten and a lot of people that I'm still friends with. And, uh, but I, I always felt, I felt bad cause we would go my kindergarten class, Mrs. Hancock's kindergarten class. We would go to the, uh, to the cafeteria to have our, our snack time and I'd have my munchos and I'd have my chocolate milk. And while we were all having our snack time, uh, Mrs. Uh, I can't think of her name. The other kindergarten class would come in. Beninati. I think that's her name. Her kindergarten class would come in to have their snack time. And when that class would come in, all of the kids in Mrs. Hancock's class would wave to all their friends in uh, Beninati's kindergarten class. Here's the thing. I didn't have any friends in that. I didn't know anybody in that class. I had friends in Hancock's class. I had, you know, you've got your Jay Lyons. You've got your Jared Bennett's, your, uh, your Ben Sharps, a couple of those, a couple of those folks. And, uh, yeah, so, so, but I didn't know anybody in the other kindergarten class because I was not exactly a social butterfly, um, much like today. <laughs> so, so Joe Shima was the only kid that I knew because I remember, oh, that's that kid from the library. That's the brown kid from the library. The only one in the entire town of Burn Hills. Uh, I'm going to wave to that kid because I saw so, so I would just be waving to Joe, and he had no idea that I was waving to him. He certainly, he sure as hell wasn't waving back at me. So all the kids in, the, in my class are waving to all their friends, and all their friends are waving back. And I'm sitting there like, I'm not going to be the only asshole not waving at somebody. So I'm waving to Shimo, and he has no idea. And we did not become friends in kindergarten. Uh, I, I think we kind of became friends in first grade. I was invited to his dinosaur birthday party. And I know he was invited to probably a few of my birthday parties, uh, most of which were at McDonald's. By the way, what man back in the eighties, a McDonald's birthday party? Like now, you go to McDonald's and they go on the you know it's just you go out into the stupid playground, and uh, you know it's just kids wiping their ass and wiping snot all over the slides and everything. And that's like that's a McDonald's you eat cheeseburgers and you go home. That's the McDonald's birthday party. Back in the day. The McDonald's birthday party was like you got to go back in the kitchen and like you're all the you know the grease traps and like all this horrible you know it's safety and 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 health inspection violations you know you get and then you get to sit in the back and watch that video about McDonald's like cartoon it was unbelievable anyway that has nothing to do with anything I just I'm nostalgic for an old classic McDonald's you know you had Chuck E Cheese birthday parties or a bowling birthday party all good, all fun, but there was nothing quite like a McDonald's birthday party. I, that's all I'm saying. Back to the story. So, yeah, Joe had pretty good birthday. He had a dinosaur birthday party. That was cool. And then uh, and then we became friends eventually, uh, really somewhere between third and, and maybe in fifth grade. Uh, but Joe was the first friend. We really became friends, I would say, in fifth grade. Yeah, I, now I remember... The start of the friendship was when I, we both realized just how much each other likes video games. And I think we knew that, but but I remember being around Christmas time, standing. Uh, the, 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 there was a display case at KB Toys. Actually, it was at Playland. In uh, I think it was Playland. Yeah. Anyway, uh, who cares? It was a it was a Clifton Country Mall. 
uh, toy store, I was looking at video games, and in walks Joe with his dad, Mr. Shimo, a.k.a. George Shimo, a.k.a. Giorgios Panio too, which is, of course, his birth name, uh, which is odd because it's also George Michael's birth name. This is a small world. <laughs> anyway, we're standing there at the display case. I'm looking at uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game and Mega Man and uh, some of the games that I wanted for Christmas. And there's Joe, and he shows up and hey Joe, oh hey, and then uh, and then Joe is you know is trying to trying to sweet talk his dad. He's like, oh oh hey dad, uh, want to get me a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game? <laughs> And he would laugh like that. He'd make a joke. He'd crack himself up, and then he'd laugh. Uh, Want to get me a uh, new Mega Man? <laughs> oh, maybe uh, while we're here, we can just uh, pick up a few more of these video games, Dad. <laughs> so, so I'm sitting there. I'm like, who's this fucking maniac? He's get get this guy out of here. He's, he's losing his mind. Uh, but then somewhere around that time is when Joe and I became really good friends, and uh, I realized what just what a collection of video games he had, and uh, so I would. Frequently, you know, I think all good friendships are based off of video games because when you're a kid, it's not so much about spending quality time with friends so much as spending quality time playing the video games that they have that you don't. And that was a big, big part of, you know, a lot of my long-lasting friendships was making sure that I strategically had all the right friends with all, you know, if it was a system I didn't have, I made sure that, you know, one friend had this system and one friend had that system and I had another, and we'd just sort of invite each other over to each other's house and have sleepovers and things. But really it was just to get to play the video games that we ourselves didn't own at our own home. So, so that's really where the, the friendship blossomed. It started really from realizing that we had all these, you know, Joe had these great video games and it was my, that was my key to getting into playing all these games. And then later on, I would actually, you know, I was the first of the friends to have Sega Genesis. So then that gave Joe a reason to want to be friends with me and invite himself over to my house so he could play, uh, you know, Strider and Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse and Sonic the Hedgehog and Streets of Rage and all these great classic Sega games that I had that he didn't. And then, and then the year after that, he was the first to get Super Nintendo. So how, well, how am I going to play Super Mario World? I know how. I'm going to go to Joe's until I get one of my own, which I didn't for another year after that. So that was a good 365 days of keeping this friendship going, uh, you know, just so I could get over there and play some of those great classic video games uh, that Joe had. Uh, go back a little bit to third grade. Joe and I are already friends at this point. I went to the dinosaur birthday party in first grade. He came to the McDonald's birthday party at some point, either probably in first grade. I think I had a McDonald's birthday in first and second grade. I'll have to check the uh, I'll have to check the archives on that one. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I had I had two 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 McDonald's birthdays. Joe came to those. Our friendship was already established in first grade, so we knew each other pretty well by the time we got to third grade. Well, by the time we got to third grade, there was a new addition to the class. There were a number of new students who showed up at the beginning of that year. One of them was a fine young man by the name of Nathan Duell. And uh, Nate, much like Joe, much like Double J, much like Sean, would go on to eventually we become best of friends. Again, Sean, Joe, Nate, and John together is the four horsemen. Add Double J to the mix, and our name becomes the class, the five classy guys. Joe, Nate, and John together, the three of us, our group name is Menage a Trois, which really makes sense. Anyway, 
uh, yeah, so this this young fellow by the name of Nate showed up in third grade, and I was a really annoying fucking son of a bitch to this guy. I almost instantly started referring to him as Sir, like in the way that Marcy refers to Peppermint Patty and uh, Peanuts and Charlie Brown. So everything we did, I called him Sir. Oh, how are you today? And I was just a weasley little fucker with my little glasses and my little mullet, my little kid mullet. Uh, oh, hello, sir. How are you today, sir? And uh, he hated it. He fucking hated it. And he'd be like, don't call me that. And then, of course, he said, don't call me that. So what did I do? I continued to call him sir. And uh, so he wasn't a big fan of me, I'm pretty sure. And I, I thought... I thought that he was because I thought, well, how could he not like being called sir? That's, you know, that's, that's a nice sign of respect. That's a nice f- gesture of friendship from me. Oh, you want to be called by your actual name? Oh, I didn't understand that at the time. So I just kept calling him sir. And uh, and then I remember one day there's a book called The Monster's Ring. And I had this ring. I think it was just like my dad's class ring or something from high school or from college that I would wear and I brought it in. I was telling everybody that it was the monster's ring and that I had my own version of the monster's ring. And I remember sitting there in music class and uh, Mrs. Bunnicky's music class. Remember, and Joe used to call her Mrs. Butichi, which is a, I mean, how, what a, what a great, what a great name. Well, well done, Shimo. That was, that was one of the moments that I said, ah, oh, I gotta, I gotta hang with this kid. Cause he's, I, I love making nicknames. This kid knew how to make a nickname. It was a great, it was a great fit. It was a great, you know, we had video games that the other one didn't have, made up great names. Come on. Uh, so anyway, we're in music class and I was showing Nate my monster's ring and he said, uh, he's like, that's not the monster's ring. And then he grabbed it out of my hand. He said, I'm going to show you, I'm going to, this, this, this ring's a piece of shit. I'm going to, I'm going to break this ring. I'm going to crush it with my bare hands. He said. And I said, okay, because, you know, it wasn't, wasn't made out of you know, fucking cardboard. He, well, I knew he wasn't going to crush it. So he tried to crush my monster's ring, and it did not work to no avail. And that made Nate even more angry. So he gave me the ring back, and I said, and then, of course, I said, sorry, sir. I'm, oh, good, good effort, sir. I'm sorry that you weren't able to break the monster's ring, sir. And uh, that was the straw. He just got, <laughs> he slammed his hand down on the desk. And he yelled, "Don't call me sir!" And uh, I think I, I think I did stop calling him sir after that. But um, that same year in third grade, uh, I had driven Nate crazy by calling him sir endlessly. Uh, he was no fan of Johnny Boy. <sighs> Fast forward to that spring, we were at Joe's parents' house, Joe's house for a uh, another birthday party, a video game themed, a Nintendo themed birthday party. Also included in that birthday party was a driveway obstacle course with ladders and little cones and bicycles and things that you could do outside. I had no interest in that. In third grade, I still didn't have a Nintendo. I didn't get Nintendo until uh, until fourth grade. All of my friends had Nintendo. Even the people who casually enjoyed video games had Nintendo. I had an Atari, which was fine, but it wasn't a Nintendo. So I'm like, oh, this is awesome. A Nintendo-themed birthday party. All we're going to do is play Nintendo. He had Super Mario 2. He had Super Mario 1. I loved all those. Get Castlevania. 
and he also had the uh, the power pad. You know, it looked like a like a deflated air mattress with some buttons on it that you just kids would just stomp up and down, thinking that they were you know they were running in these video games. It was you know kind of a piece of junk. But that was like the new hot thing. So everybody was having relay races with the power pad. And I was just kind of sitting there patiently waiting because I had no interest in the power pad. I just want to play Super Mario 2. Finally, it's time for the obstacle course. All the kids file out into the driveway to get on the bikes and do all the, all the challenges, all the obstacles and things that, um, that Giorgios had uh, set up out in, the, uh, out in the driveway. And... Uh, so I took this as my opportunity to stay inside. I'm not going to do the fucking obstacle course when there's a, a, a perfectly good Nintendo sitting in front of me with Super Mario 2. So I pop in Super Mario Brothers 2. Finally. I, I've never played more than like 30 seconds of this game. I'm finally getting to play Super Mario 2. And I'm going along and I'm I'm just, I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. And this is such a great game. And all of a sudden, who walks in to the den? There's Nate. There's Sir, and he says, uh, "He said, turn this off. I don't. Wanna, nobody wants to play this. I want to play the power pad." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I don't. I've never played Super Mario 2. I want to play Super Mario 2." And he's like, "Everybody has Super Mario 2. The power. You rented the power pad. We get. We're gonna play. Let's play the power pad. Nobody's getting to play the power pad." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I don't. I haven't gotten to play any of these games." So of course, Nate, again. I was an asshole to him, and in this particular scenario, he was an asshole to me because he walked over and he popped the Super Mario 2 game, turned it off, popped it right out of the Nintendo, and put in the stupid uh, track and field game for the power pad. So, okay, he's not a fan of me. I'm not a particularly big fan of him at this point. So, Nate and I kind of go our separate ways. That's, that's really the last major interaction that I think Nate and I had for, for several years. I don't think I don't think we were in class, definitely not in fourth grade. I don't think we were in fifth grade together. I know Joe was in my fifth grade class, uh, and then we weren't really in any classes in sixth grade. Joe and I were in a few classes in sixth grade. Our, our friendship continued to blossom. Uh, again, as I mentioned, I got Sega Genesis. Joe got Super Nintendo. It was really a match made in heaven. He had the video games I wanted. I had the video games he wanted. We would go back and forth, bringing our consoles over to each other's houses, playing or playing any game that we wanted to, and having a great time. Meanwhile, Joe is becoming pretty good friends with Nate during this during fifth, sixth, seventh grade. I, I kind of know Nate casually. I remember him as the asshole who put the track and field in the Nintendo when I was trying to play Super Mario 2. And he probably remembered me as the asshole who spent uh, his entire first year of, uh, of school at Burn Hills uh, being called Sir by some little asshole. So, whatever. In the meantime, Joe is uh, Joe's giving me these, these updates over the phone because he's starting to hang out with Nate. And he's going over to Nate's house. And he's giving me updates because obviously what's the measure of a good friend, as I've already mentioned, it's video games. It's not loyalty or kindness or helpfulness or anything like that. It's it's video games. So Joe was a really good friend to me because he had great video games. I, I to him because I had, again, I had my video games that he didn't have. Nate had uh, video games that that neither of us approved of. And, uh, and Joe and I, 
would we'd talk on the phone pretty much every night after school. Joe would go, he'd get off the bus at Nate's and they would play outside and they'd play video games. And then Joe would come home and he would call me and we'd talk about whatever. And then part of that conversation was, uh, you know, a good solid recap of of the video games that Joe played at Nate's house that he wasn't particularly uh, fond of, that did not get his approval. And so based on that, I thought like, oh man, yeah, Nate, According to Joe, Nate has shitty video games. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I don't like Nate very much, based on that Super Mario incident and the fact that he would dare have uh, less than satisfactory taste in video games. Uh, yeah, I'm, and so I'm enjoying all these stories that Joe's telling me about Nate. He's giving me, a, you know, stuff that. Uh, just yeah, basically his video games suck, and therefore, <laughs> therefore, so does Nate. <laughs> And so, uh, this was in sixth grade, I believe, was when Road Rash came out for the Sega Genesis, and that was one of my Christmas presents. And uh, anybody who doesn't know Road Rash, it's motorcycle combat. So it's a motorcycle race. You're racing against like 20 or 30 other people, and you not only race against them, but you can punch and kick the other motorcycles and knock them off the motorcycle. And occasionally you can even get... Uh, you know, like a club, like a spiked club, and you can hit the people. And that was like the only time ever that my parents played video games because the whole family had such a blast playing Road Rash. And during, I believe it was during the holiday break that Joe came over, or shortly thereafter, and we played Road Rash. And what we decided to do was take out the instruction manual, and as we're racing against these 20 other people or so, we decided to assign each of the motorcycle AI characters in the game to somebody that we knew in real life who we had a low opinion of. <laughs> Nate, I'm really sorry, man. I, lo- I love Nate. He's like the greatest human being alive. I'm, I'm spoiling the end of the story. I mean, I guess I already told you he's one of my best friends, but this fucking story, oh, I like, if you really want to, if you really want to dig deep into, uh, into what a scumbag I am, and really what a scumbag Joe. Shimo. I'm gonna I'm gonna give more credit to Shimo. He's like the original scumbag. So Joe and I are playing these races in Road Rash, and all the little character, you know, all the characters had names in the game like Biff and whatever, and uh, we, we we would change those names. So each you know each numbered motorcycle is now you know so and so's name, who's in our school, who we think is you know a douchebag, who we think is a loser. And so we, we, we made a list in the, instru- in the back page of the instruction manual. That you, there's a notes page where you can just write down notes. I don't know why anybody would write notes. So in the back of the Road Rash book, we had numbered from 1 to 20, I think. And I'm not going to name any of those names. I, I honestly I don't remember who most of those names are. They're people that I, I don't even know anymore, and I really didn't know very well then, but people that I, I thought were less than savory characters. And because Nate had... Uh, you know, ejected Super Mario 2, and because, according to Joe, he had terrible video games, we both agreed that Nate belonged in the Road Rash book. And so, as we're listing people who we don't think very highly of, we put Nate down there, and he was maybe second or third, I think, on the list. And so we played Road Rash, pretending that we were, you know, knocking all these different people from school off of these bikes that we didn't like. And one of those was Nate. Like, uh-oh, here comes Nate on your left. Hit him with the spike club. Oh, down goes Nate. And then that was it. It was one afternoon of playing Road Rash, and we put Nate, along with this list of other people, 
into the Road Rash book, never thought of it again, put Road Rash away, didn't play it, you know, the fun came and went, moved on to other video games, didn't even think about it after that. Fast forward, fast forward to uh, maybe, maybe about a year later, and I was sitting at lunch one day, and this funny motherfucker named Nate Duell was putting on a show like you wouldn't believe. The things that he was doing, the physical comedy that he was doing at lunch in this cafeteria, I don't remember. He was he was spinning around, making goofy faces, dancing around. I, I, I can't even remember except I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard. I just, you know, there's a few milestones, a few Nate and John milestones prior to, you know, officially becoming, uh, you know, soulmates and, uh, you know, calling him sir, uh, ejecting Super Mario 2 from the Nintendo, putting Nate's name in the Road Rash book, and then, and then finally seeing Nate uh, put on this show at lunch that had me just doubled over like painfully laughing, couldn't breathe, holding onto the table, absolutely dying. So, so I'm watch. I'm sitting there at lunch in seventh grade, and I'm watching Nate just entertain the shit out of everybody, and he's the funniest fucking guy. And I'm thinking, like, man, this doesn't reconcile to what I've been told. I'm picturing this guy who sucks at video games and has sucky video games. And and now I'm seeing this dude who's like the funniest the funniest fucking guy I had ever seen in my life. I'm I can't even tell you how hard I was laughing. I had never I'd never been more entertained in my life. And so I'm thinking, man, maybe I was wrong about this guy. He seems he's really funny. He seems like a nice guy too. Uh, also, I should note that prior to that, uh, yeah, I had suggested just to be a dick. I told Nate that a really good Sega Genesis game that he should get was this game called Bonanza Brothers, which was just widely panned in every video game magazine. Every review said it was a piece of shit. And just to be a dick, I told Nate that Bonanza Brothers was like one of the greatest games ever. He should go get it. Luckily for Nate, he went to the store and actually asked the clerk about Bonanza Brothers. <laughs> he went and said, I, I would like to purchase Bonanza Brothers for the Sega Genesis. And the guy at the store said, why the fuck would you want to buy this game? It sucks. Every review says that it's terrible. And Nate said, well, John, John at school told me it was a really great game. Why would he, uh, why would he say something like that? And it's not true. And then the guy showed him the back of the box which had screenshots of the video game, and Nate said, man, this looks like a piece of shit. Yeah, and it turns out I told him to buy a terrible video game because I wanted Nate to go out and buy a terrible video game because, you know, we were not friends. <laughs> and uh, so this this seventh grade lunch, he's just cracking me up. And so then I got to become friends with Nate. I started talking to him, hanging out, hanging out during school. And then eventually inviting him over, he would I would go to his house, we'd play video games, we'd hang out, and I had the best time. And I thought, this guy is so fucking awesome. I'm wrong everything that I thought about him, everything I thought I knew about Nate, it was it's wrong. It's off. It's that scumbag Shimo stirring the pot. 
<laughs> and so we'd go over to, I'd go over to his house. He would come over to mine. And, uh, <clears throat> so one day we're sitting there and, uh, and Nate and I are, we're playing some, we're playing some Sega Genesis. Come on over. Let's play video games. We're at my house. We're playing some, we're playing some video games. And, uh, and Nate asked to play Road Rash. I'm like, yeah, let's, I haven't played Road Rash in like, uh, probably a year. Let's play some Road Rash. So we fired up Road Rash and I'm getting the game ready and we're, we're just kind of, you know, playing, switching back and forth on the controller. And, and, uh, I didn't really realize it was my turn. I'm playing Road Rash and, uh, I didn't realize that Nate had opened up the box to the Road Rash game. I need to open up, <laughs> open up the instruction manual. And I'm we're just sitting there laughing, having a great time playing games, and all of a sudden Nate goes, "What the fuck is this?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "I'm like, what are you talking about, Nate?" He goes, "What the fuck is this? What do you mean, Nate?" And he goes, "Why is my name in this Road Rash book next to all these other names?" And I said, "Oh my god." <laughs> I had completely forgotten about the Road Rash book and I'd forgotten that Nate's name was in there mixed in with like all the quote unquote losers as determined by Joe Shibo and John Hopkins. So I was like, oh, I don't know, Nate, we were probably just, uh, you know, we were probably just thinking of all of our friends and then we wanted to assign all the different motorcycle racers as names of our friends, Joe and I. And Nate's like, yeah, he's like, I don't see your name on here and I don't see Joe's name on here. I see my name on here, and then I see a bunch of people who are idiots and who are shitty people, and my name is next to them. And uh, <laughs> and I really didn't have much to say after that. So, well, yes. Yeah, and then I, then I just started backpedaling. I said, well, Nate, uh, at the time, at the time, I didn't really know you that well, so I... I was hearing, uh, I was getting this intel from a reliable source on about all your terrible video games. Well, now I've been to your house, Nate. I know you have some good video games, so that's that's not even a question anymore. That's not even up for discussion. Uh, really, this was this was a year ago. It's old news. It's in the past. I, uh, you know, it's no big deal. And uh, let me just tell you that uh, that was that was not no big deal. That was a very big deal, and it's still a big deal to this day. And uh, the thing that sucks, <laughs> poor Nate brings it up, you know, pretty much every time we get together because it was a, it was a horrible thing. And I'm very glad that the friendship, my friendship with Nate uh, continued to blossom and Nate and I would become best of friends and are still best of friends. And we text all the time. And Joe and I, of course, are still best of friends. And I ignore his phone calls all the time. And then once a month or once every few months, I'll call him back. And, uh, and then we get together and we laugh ourselves silly. And there's so many, oh, there's so many fucking stories with both of those assholes. But this was the one, cause this was early on in the friendship. This was when like Joe and I started out as friends, Nate and I were enemies. Then we became friends. Then he saw that I put his name, we put his name in the road rash book. And, uh, it's one of those things that, uh, that still comes up today. And as Kimmy uh, wisely said a few weeks ago, uh, she says, you guys are fucking all, she goes, she says, you guys are almost 40 years old and you're still talking about a video game manual from 1992. Grow up. <laughs> She's 
probably right. Having said that, uh, it's still very much a topic of conversation. I don't think about it all that much because I didn't, uh, you know, it wasn't my name in a road rash book. Nate thinks about it a lot and understandably so because his so-called friends had put his name alongside of a bunch of quote unquote losers in the road rash book. And, and so forever the, the road rash book is going to be, it's never going to go away. It's never going to die. Um, much like our friendship, our undying friendship. And truly Nate is one of the most spectacular human beings on the face of this earth. And I love him. And I'm sorry we put your name in the road rash book, Nate. I feel like a piece of shit to this day. Um, but in my defense, uh, you you know you did have you did at first have pretty shitty video games. Um, you didn't have the ones that met my approval or Joe's approval. So, you know, in all fairness, you probably at the time maybe maybe didn't deserve to be third third on the list in the Road Rash book. Probably didn't deserve to be in the Road Rash book at all. But you know where we were coming from was a was a was a reasonable place. I mean, we were ranking people based on uh, you know a, a number of factors, and and you having video games that didn't meet our approval, I think was was a valid enough reason at that time. So, yeah. So, Joe Shimo, John Hopkins, two uh, pieces of shit made for each other, and luckily Nate was able to, uh, despite the shittiness of the Road Rash book, was able to see past all of that and remain best of friends. Menage a trois, still going strong. All these uh, almost 30 fucking years later, that's unbelievable. And 30 years later, still talking about the Road Rash book pretty frequently. In fact, uh, I'll go ahead and play a voicemail, a nice birthday voicemail that I got from Shimo a few weeks ago on on the day of episode number one of the Birthday Boy podcast. And if anybody thinks the Road Rash book is not a real story or that we don't still talk about it, uh, here's a really nice birthday greeting that I got from, from Shimo. Hey, happy birthday, kid. Happy 39th, I did remember. Probably at work right now, so uh, give me a call when uh, you get the chance today, or I may try again this afternoon. Also, I was talking to Corey, and he was wondering if possible uh, when you get home with you to uh, send us a picture, uh, text us a picture of uh, the World Rash book, uh, particularly the, the page with, with Nate's name on it. That'd be hilarious. So, hey... I'll talk to you later, okay, man? Happy birthday. <laughs> Particularly the page with... Oh, yeah, what, you, you'd be happy if I sent you the cover of the Road Rash book? Particularly the page... Of course, only the page with Nate's name on it. And it does still exist. I think... I know I have it somewhere, and I think it's in a bin just a few feet from me. Which I should... I should uh, for the sake of comedy, I should dig it up. But for the sake of, like, trying to trying to put the road rash book to bed once and for all i should never i should burn the thing i should light it on fire oh my god so that's that's how the menage a trois friendship between joe shimo nate duel and john hopkins began it began with some video games some laughs a birthday party a monster's ring and a road rash book and it has become so much, so much else, so much bigger than that. My two, two of my best friends, and we'll get to Sean. 
I'm already over an hour. I'd love to talk more about Sean because he hasn't even been mentioned because he makes up the, uh, he's the fourth horseman. Joe, Nate, and John are menage a trois. Johnny and Double J are the originators. Sean, John, Joe, and Nate are the horsemen, and all five of us together are the uh, the classy guys. And there's no better group of dudes to have spent the entire decade of the 80s and 90s joined at the hip with and still very, very tight and close. Oh, man, such such great memories, and there's so many more. I wanted to talk about... I, yeah, I don't think I have time. Let's see. We have to leave. We have to leave. I've got to. I've got to be somewhere. I've got to be. We're going to the movies. We're gonna go see Aladdin. I took. I took the kiddo to see uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, last week. The youngest was having a play date. The oldest, I said, I convinced. She didn't even want to go see it, but I really wanted to go see it, so I convinced her to go. And we went and saw it, and we go to Chunky's because you can sit at Chunky's, and it's like $5 for a movie ticket, and you can order meals. It's really, you're paying the same amount that you would pay to just get like popcorn and a soda and a box of candy at a regular movie theater. You're paying that much or maybe even less than that amount to get a full meal at Chunky's. They have the tables and these old seats. All the chairs are from like vans from like high top conversion vans. They're just these old beat up chairs, but they're very comfortable and they recline and you get a cheap movie and it's first run stuff. It's good quality theater. Good food's fucking terrible, but that's okay. It's, you know, a burger, you get a burger or a hot dog, a sandwich, something like that. So we're going to go see Aladdin in a, in a short while here, which is why the podcast I is going to be late. Uh, but it will be there, and uh, so we're going to Chunkies. I like Chunkies. I like saying Chunkies, and uh, I took the kid. I took Cam to Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Jesus fucking, you know, uh, why does why do movies have to be so goddamn long? It's a fine movie. It was fun. You know, the monster. You go to Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and you kind of you get some thoughts in your head. You think like, okay. How about maybe it's going to be Godzilla fighting all the monsters? Because that's what the preview, the trailer's all, it's Godzilla, and there's Mothra, and there's Rodan, and there's the the Hydra, and all this other shit. And they show a bunch of other monsters coming out of the earth. I don't know I don't know anything about Godzilla. I, I know those names that I just mentioned. And that's about it. And I know I like, I like things, uh, movies where big monsters destroy things or destroy each other or whatever. There's plenty of that. There's plenty of action. There's fighting. The monsters fight each other. Blah 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 blah. But man, do we really need like all this, all this talking, all this exposition? I know, like you gotta have a story in a movie, but but do you really? Can't you just have? Hey, it's a bunch of monsters, and they hate each other, and then they're gonna fight, and the humans, you know, take the this this Godzilla is gonna help the human. Can't that be the story? And you have to bring like the family and the kid, and then this kid and the dad and all this shit. Who cares? I was nodding off. Fuck! It's just like it's like the same. It's the same formula. Of the Avengers, those first two Avengers movies. Everybody's saying how great they are. It's the fucking superheroes sitting on their spaceship for two hours having a conversation. It's Iron Man just like talking to Captain America about you know strategizing. Oh, fun, yeah. You know, I was hoping to see the actual the actual fight scenes and the battles, but I think what's really more interesting is is how they how they uh, discuss their strategy, where they were gonna, what they were gonna do, and how they were gonna do it, and at their the attack plan. I'd really rather see them just sitting quietly in the spaceship talking about that. That's all they do. 
I, I know there's more than that, but it's fucking, they're two and a half hours, these movies. They don't need to be. They can be 90 goddamn minutes. You can have a great 90-minute movie if you just have the people shut up for five seconds and just do some fighting. These are like these blockbuster movies. I want action. I want fights. Anyway, that's, that's <laughs> I don't know. Movies. That's why TV is so great. And then you only have to watch an hour of TV. You know, you watch an hour episode and then you move on with your day. TV, man. All right, there's there's other things. Road, road. boy, I, I really got to a lot of things. Good, good. Cro- I'm crossing off. Uh, yep, cross that off. Cross that off. Wow, there's still some stories though. Oh baby, that's all right. That's for another time. We'll tell those later. In the meantime, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast for the day, for the week, and we'll be back here next time with more fun and more stories and who knows what. But right now, here's a uh, here's a call. Uh, to Cliffy, another call, another Cliffy call, and I haven't even decided which Cliffy call it's going to be, so uh, I think I'm going to do Scottish, uh, maybe Scottish Uncle Cliff, yeah, we'll do that, I'll go with that, I think that's what this is going to be, have a great week everybody, thanks for listening, oh, and uh, Carrie, uh, Carrie Duell, Carrie Dumas, thank you for the email, she emailed, she actually used, used the email, by the way, uh, that's birthday boy. Wait, what the fuck is the email? <laughs> birthday boy podcast at gmail.com. That's birthday boy podcast at gmail.com. Be more like Carrie. Send me an email. It doesn't even have to be feedback. It could just be whatever. She also left a five-star review. Thank you, Carrie. You are a wonderful human being. I can't say the same for the rest of you pieces of shit. So get out there and leave me a leave me a nice review. Send me an email. Whatever you'd like to do. If we're, if we're good enough friends that you have my phone number and want to text, feel free to text or on Facebook Messenger. I don't care. Whatever. Whatever it is. Uh, yeah, that's it. Ah, oh, man. I feel like I there's more there's more stories to tell. Hmm. Well, I guess we'll just have to tell them next week. Until then, remember everybody, patience is for stupid fucking assholes. Wait, patience? Not patience. Oh, uh, positivity. Patience is for assholes, too. I'm very impatient. Positivity is for assholes and morons and suckers and idiots. Morons and idiots. Ah, But uh, you know what? Kindness matters. Kindness really matters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's it. We're all done here. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you next time. Until then, this is the birthday boy saying so long, everybody. And uh, we'll talk to you. You'll you'll hear. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Later, Gator. your uncle cliff calling all the way from scotland cliff it's been a long time perhaps you don't even remember me the last time the last time we met it was a way back 
when you're a wee little butter baby lad, a wee little beautiful little baby butter boy baby, just like your grandma Cliff used to call you. She used to toss you around and she'd say, I'm a little butter baby. I didn't fully understand what she was talking about, except then she told me, Cliff, it's because you once stuck an entire stick of butter up your arse, Cliff. You're a Womack, Cliff. It's the kind of thing we Womacks do. And let me just tell you, Cliffy, Cliffy boy, I love you and I miss you. It's been so long since you called your old Uncle Cliffy from Scotland. Where you been, Cliff? What you been doing? They tell me you're looking at houses crawling around up and down all over the place. Looking at the feces and all that sort of thing, Cliff. Anyways. In a quarter mile, use the second from the right hey, lane to take exit Listen to me, you goddamn cunt. GPS system. You be quiet when I'm talking to my lad Cliffy boy. You know, you know GPS of mine. You cunt. Use the second from the right lane I to said shut your goddamn cunt mouth. She keeps yapping away, Cliff. That's all they do is they talk all day, the goddamn computers. Anyways, Cliff, why don't you call your Uncle Cliffy back and we'll talk about some things. We'll talk about when you were a baby and you were a butter boy and you shoved the butter up your arse, Cliff. Let's talk. It's your Uncle Cliff, Cliff. Give me a call. Keep left to and shut the fuck up, way. you goddamn cunt, GPS, fucking cunt. Ah, oh, Cliffy, give your Uncle Cliff a call, Cliff.